Good evening, everybody. Good evening, if you would. Get your Bibles out and open them up to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians, the sixth chapter, is where we're going to begin in just a moment. We're going to read one verse there that is going to help to uh, set up and to establish uh, really the thoughts of, of, of everything that we want to consider this evening from the Word of God, Galatians chapter 6. As you are turning there, I will say what a delight that it is to be preaching on a Sunday night as we put our uh, Revelation study on, on hold for the time being. And uh, I will tell you that I have personally just very much enjoyed uh, the class that my dad has been conducting for the last few weeks. I think he's done a great job of making Revelation uh, understandable and making it practical. Uh, but we are going to hit the pause button uh, for the time being and return to something that at least has some measure of normalcy to it, and that is having a second sermon uh, on Sunday night, and I am most ready to be about the business of that right now. So let's read together in Galatians chapter 6. This is verse number 9 in Galatians chapter 6, and in verse 9, there the Apostle Paul says this, Galatians 6 and verse 9, he says there, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. That passage is a help to me. Uh, that passage says to me that I am not the first Christian to get tired of doing and doing and doing and doing and it doesn't seem like it's doing any good. Have you ever felt that way before? I'm pretty sure that you probably have. Invite somebody to come to church or to study the Bible and they don't come. You try to take a stand for righteousness and the world doesn't seem to change. You try to raise your children to know and to serve the Lord and they go off into the far country of sin. Maybe you try to work on your own life, try to do some self-improvement sorts of things and you don't feel like you make any kind of forward progress. Maybe you try to help somebody else, try to encourage somebody, try to pray for somebody and, and they don't really seem to be appreciative of those efforts. I'll just be candid with you on a personal level. I have been worn out on occasion from trying to serve the brethren only to be greeted with griping or indifference. Doesn't take very long then before you then start asking the question. You start running into all of those roadblocks and you begin to ask the question... Why do I bother? Why? Why do I even go to all of the trouble? You know, what exactly is the point of all of this? Why should I keep on keeping on if faithfulness to God, if it never seems to yield any kind of positive results, then, then why bother? It may surprise you to hear, hear me confess this, but I have asked the why bother question probably on more occasions than I care to admit. But here's the good news about that. The good news about that is that I think I found the answer to that question. I think I found it in the Bible. And it's in Luke the fifth chapter. In some teaching that Jesus did down by the Sea of Galilee. And in fact, I'll invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5 because I believe that this is the why bother passage of the Bible. This is Jesus' encounter with some fishermen. And these are not guys who are recreational fishermen. No, these are commercial fishermen. These are guys who did the back-breaking work of fishing with huge nets, which means that they understood how to fish 
and when to fish and where to fish. And in Luke chapter 5, they've been fishing all night long and they haven't caught anything. Which is why when Jesus shows up and He says, Hey fellas, let's go fishing. I think the natural urge on some of these men might have been to say, Why bother? What's the point? But that's when things kind of turn and that's really what makes this passage so helpful for us. I'd like for you to read it with me if you would please. In Luke chapter 5, begin with me in verse number 1. The Bible says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, He asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, They enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed Him. If you ever at any point in your life have asked that question, Why do I bother with this Christianity stuff? What difference does it make? Why do I even try then this is the passage you need. This is the passage to feed perseverance and endurance into your life. And this evening what I want to do is I want to share with you three reasons from this text as to why we bother. Three reasons why we must persevere. In fact, I've got up here on the screen three reasons why we persevere, why we must do that, why we should do that. I want to do you one better. I want to share with you three reasons why we want to keep faithfully serving Jesus. That's an even better motivation, isn't it? And the very first of those reasons is right there in verse number 5. Would you look at verse 5 again? Simon answered, after Jesus says, let's go fishing, Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night long and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the net. Right there. Right there is reason number one for why we bother, why we continue to serve Jesus even when it doesn't seem like it's doing any good and that is because that's because the Master deserves our obedience. You know, Peter in his lifetime, he said a lot of really dumb things. In our Wednesday night class studying through the Gospel of Mark, we've been noticing some of that, haven't we? Some of those moments when Peter just said some stuff really just kind of foolishly and really didn't think about what he was going to say. He suffered from what a lot of preachers suffered from, and that is foot-in-mouth disease. But what Peter says right here, this is five-star good. Peter says, Lord, you tell us, we do it. In fact, the word that he begins his response with really says it all. He begins with the word master. 
You're in charge. I'm not. And what Peter is saying is, is that my function, my purpose, what I am here to do is not to question you or to somehow alter your will or try to change your will or correct it or fix it. No, I am here to do what you say. At your word, Lord, I will obey. That is fundamental to who and what we are as the disciples of Jesus, isn't it? That when I understand what the Lord is going for, I obey. And you know what? When I don't understand, I'm going to obey. When I feel like obeying, when I'm really motivated to do that, I'm going to obey. And even on the days when I don't feel like doing that, I'm going to obey. When it's really, really easy to do the right thing, I'm going to obey. And when it's hard to do the right thing, I'm going to obey. When I agree with God's commands, I'm going to obey. And you know what? Even when I really don't agree with what God is saying to do, I'm going to do it. That is as basic as it gets. In fact, I think about what Solomon says as he closes the book of Ecclesiastes. What's he say there? He says, this is the whole duty of man to fear God and to keep His commandments. I think sometimes as Americans, we need a little bit of help with that word duty. You know, since we have all kinds of freedoms and liberties here in our country, sometimes we don't really feel a sense of obligation and duty. In fact, the fact that we don't have a king in our country probably makes it pretty hard for us even to understand that concept of master. I don't know anyone as my master. But in the kingdom of God, we do have a master. And He's not a harsh taskmaster. No, He is a loving Master who gives us life and He gives us breath and He gives us every good gift both physically and spiritually. And it is because of that that you and I, we owe Him the service of our lives in everlasting gratitude and thanksgiving. That is my duty. And yet even as I say all of that, I do realize... Sometimes we get weary in our well-doing. We get weary in our duty to the Master. And so we do from time to time, we do ask the question, why am I doing this? Why am I bothering with all of this? And if nothing else, if you don't get anything else out of this lesson, I hope you'll get this one thing. We do it because God told us to. Why do we go to the trouble of raising our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord even though there is the chance that they will rebel and they will turn their backs on Jesus? I'll tell you why we do that. We do it because the Lord said to. Why do we make the effort to assemble with the saints and to come and worship with the local church even though brother so-and-so is a really obnoxious jerk and even though sister so-and-so has a really rotten attitude? You want to know why we come? Because the Lord said so. Why do we talk to our neighbors about Jesus? Why do we invite people to study the Bible and to come to church even though it's very probable that they're going to say no to those invitations? I'll tell you why we do that. We do that because the Lord said to. And when we do that, I believe we please the Lord if by nothing else than just the sheer force of obedience. We did what the Lord commanded. God will never minimize that kind of attitude. The Christian who has the attitude that says, Lord, I want to obey. I believe God blesses those who will let down the nets and who will obey Him. Which brings us right into that second reason for why we bother. Would you look again at the text? Look at verse 6. 
In verse 6, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them and they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. Right there it is. Here's the reason why we bother number two, the reason why we keep on obeying even when maybe deep down we really don't even feel like doing that. We do that, number two, because that brings great blessing and reward. You know, I think back to the Old Testament. I am sure that Noah, at some point during the 120 years when he was building that ark, probably thought to himself, why am I bothering with this? What is the point in all of this? That is until one day when it started raining. I'm sure the Israelites, as they were marching around the walls of Jericho for those first several days, they probably thought to themselves, what what good is this doing? Why are we doing this, going to all of this trouble? That is until day seven, when those walls came tumbling down. And I'm sure as well, that Peter thought to himself that the idea of putting the boat back out into the sea, that that's nothing but a fruitless endeavor. That is up until the moment when the boat started filling up with fish. When we persevere, when we do what the Lord says, when we obey, that brings good things into our lives. That's what we're seeing here in Luke's record of of this story. There's good things happening to Peter and the rest of those other fishermen guys. And certainly when we think about how obeying the Lord and persevering, that brings blessing and reward for us. Sometimes we think about that and we only think about eternity. Yeah, I get to go to heaven later on. But listen to me. We get good things now. There is blessing and reward in the here and the now when we keep on keeping on. Now I'm certainly not, I want to be careful here, I'm certainly not advocating what is commonly referred to as the health and wealth gospel, the things that, kind of, that people like Joel Austin preach, where hey, if you'll obey God and just love Him with all of your heart, you'll be rich and you'll never get sick again and Jesus will be your chauffeur and He'll take you down to Easy Street and you'll have the good life. That is not what I am preaching tonight. That's not the kind of blessing that I'm talking about. But it is so that when we persevere and we do what's right, God's blessings come upon us now. There are internal blessings that we enjoy. Hope, peace, joy. You can't have those things apart from Jesus. There's external blessings that we have, like having the family of God, having my brothers and my sisters in Christ. God does indeed reward those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11 verse 6. But can I actually expand upon that? Can I kind of broaden your horizons as we think about God's blessings upon those who do persevere? When we continue to serve the Lord and when we continue to do what's right, that not only brings a blessing to us, that also brings a blessing to others who are around us. Our neighbors, our co-workers our community in which we live, our society as a whole. Everybody benefits when we, God's people, are actively seeking to obey the Lord in our lives. Think about about how much of America, the good things about America that we know it today, much of that is the result of the Protestant work ethic. 
Much of what makes this country good came because our founding fathers in some shape, form, or fashion, they had and they believed in some version of Christianity and had that guiding their lives. And I am, of course, using the term Christianity in that sense kind of accommodatively. That's why I put the official air quotes around that. But those men and women at that time, they had some beliefs that were rooted in the Bible. And that means that they placed a premium on things like like the freedom of religion and the right to be able to assemble and worship God as we see fit. You see, when you have people who have just a fundamental respect for God and a respect for God's Word and who are trying at some level to do what God says, that brings a blessing to everybody, doesn't it? And in the same way, when you and I, when we work hard at our jobs when we are honest people, when we are trying to have marriages that are good and godly, when we try to raise our children to know the Lord and to respect authority, when we pay our taxes, when we do things like that, that makes our city better, that makes our county better, that makes our state better, that makes our world that much better for everybody. Even hardened, crusty old atheists, they benefit. Why? Because they're living right here in the midst of a bunch of people who are trying to follow the way of Jesus. And so sometimes I get discouraged and I get down because I don't think that what I'm doing is really making a difference. But you know what? As I continue in well-doing, the truth of the matter is, I am making a difference. When that waitress at the restaurant, when she brings out the wrong order to my table and I'm not yelling at her, and I'm not being rude to her, and I'm not causing a scene there, what I'm doing is I'm actually making the world a better place. When I'm at the four-way stop at the intersection, and I motion for the other drivers, hey, I'm not in any hurry, and I'm not trying to hog the road, you go ahead and you go first. Just in that small little way, I am providing a breath of fresh air to society. When I use my Facebook and my social media accounts to post positive and uplifting sorts of things, instead of feeding into all the negativity and the ugliness that's in our world, what I'm doing is I'm helping to bring a blessing to others. That's really what it means to be the salt of the earth, Matthew 5 verse 13. As we preserve righteousness in the earth, others around us, they're going to be the beneficiaries. Can I take that one more step further? Sometimes our perseverance, our bothering, what that does is that not only brings a blessing to us, it not only brings a blessing to others around us, but sometimes that even brings a blessing to others later. People that maybe we don't even get to see or know. We don't even get to see the effect of what we've done, the fact that we hung in there and we stuck in there. The results may not be evident for that until long, long after we are gone. I can actually show you that in the Bible. Would you step out of Luke for a second? Hold your place there. Look in Exodus, please. In Exodus chapter 40, in Exodus chapter 40, we read here about the construction of the tabernacle. 
just incredibly detailed the construction of the tabernacle. Now, the temple would be probably even more profoundly detailed, but the tabernacle was pretty detailed as well. God had very specific instructions about that. In fact, for the first 15 verses or so of chapter 40, God relays those instructions to Moses as to exactly how that was to be done. What I want you to notice is the repetition. There's just this constant beat, this constant note in the remaining verses of the chapter. Notice it beginning in verse 16. In verse 16, This Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. Verse 19, Moses spread the tent over the tabernacle, put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 21, He brought the ark into the tabernacle, set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 23, And He arranged the bread on it on the table there and before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. Into verse 25, As the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 27, As the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 29, As the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 32, When they went into the tent of the meeting and when they approached the altar they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. Again and again and again. The text says that Moses did what God told him to do. In fact, the result of that was this tremendous blessing that Moses and the Israelites received. It's kind of summarized for us there in verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Here's the Lord dwelling amongst His people. What an amazing event. But I want you to see That this is about a whole lot more than just what Moses and the Israelites at that time got out of that. What does the Hebrew writer... We just got finished studying the book of Hebrews a couple months ago. What does the Hebrew writer tell us about the tabernacle? The Hebrew writer tells us that the tabernacle was a miniature model of heaven itself. That Jesus went into that most holy place, Hebrews chapter 9, with His own blood and He offered atonement for our sins. Which causes me to want to ask the question, what if Moses had decided that he was going to redesign the tabernacle? I'm not really satisfied with God's order for all that. I'm going to do it my way. I'm I'm putting all the legwork in here, so I'm going to make this the way that I want it to be done. What if Moses did not do it as the Lord had commanded Moses? Moses didn't know. He had no idea that centuries later that the Hebrew writer is going to write about this event that some 1,500 years down the stream of time, what he constructed, it was going to serve to people everywhere as a preview of heaven. Moses didn't know any of that. Moses simply persevered. He simply did what God told him to do, even though at this point in his life he is old and he no doubt is tired. But way down the line, guess what happened? A blessing. A blessing came from his obedience. And you know who got that blessing? We get that blessing. We are getting that blessing right now by having a better understanding of the work of Jesus Christ as Hebrews lays out. And so all of that means that sometimes, sometimes I do look around and I ask, why am I doing this? You know, why do I even bother? You know, it doesn't seem like it's doing any good. The reason we do it is because sometimes what we're doing is designed to bring a blessing to people way down the line that we may never even know. You know, I never met my great-grandfather, Max Ogden. He preached the gospel for about 45 years. In fact, a big portion of that was just 
right down the road in Monticello and Wayne County and in the surrounding areas. He and my great-grandmother, they raised four children, all of whom became Christians. One of those children was my grandmother. And she and her husband, they taught their children the gospel. One of those children was my mother. And between her and my father, they then taught four boys the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of that, one of those boys is standing before you right now preaching the word of God. That all makes me wonder, what if my grandfather had just chucked Christianity at some point along the way? What if my great-grandfather Max Otten, who I've never even met before, what if he just said, this is a waste of time, this preaching business, it's not a very lucrative career. In fact, this Christianity thing is just a tough road to hold. I don't know why I bother with this. I'm done with it. How different, how different my life and many other lives would be. Every person, I think about this, Every person who has ever received a blessing from any of the preaching and the teaching that I have ever done, they receive that blessing because great-grandma and great-grandpa Ogden, they persevered in the kingdom of God. And the truth is, every person who is listening to me right now can trace their own connection to Jesus to someone that you maybe never even met before. But it was a person who did not give up, a person who did not throw in the towel, but it was a person who continued to faithfully serve the Lord. Do you see why we bother now? I hope one day to be in heaven and to get to meet my great-grandchildren. I don't expect I'm going to be on this earth when my great-grandchildren are born. But I hope that in heaven I get to meet my great-grandchildren and maybe even some of their friends and some of their family, all of whom obeyed the gospel and served Jesus throughout their lives. And in that day I'll be able to rejoice because I'll then know, I'll be able to see that in some small way I helped to bring that blessing upon them by persevering on in faith. And so whether the blessing comes to me personally right now or whether that blessing comes to others who are around me in this world, or whether God's blessings and His reward come much later, far down the stream of time, far beyond what I can ever even see, the reason that we bother is because God rewards faithfulness. Luke 5 shows us that when I trust the Lord enough to do what He says, good things happen. I am making myself available. I'm making myself a conduit. I'm making myself a pipeline, if you will, for God's blessings on myself and on others. Which brings me now to this third and this final reason for why we bother. As I turn back to Luke chapter 5 one final time. After all these fish get caught, the amazing blessings that come from having two boatloads full of fish, Luke chapter 5 then tells us in verse 8, this is Peter's reaction, Luke 5 verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The reason that we bother, even when we're sometimes tired and worn and weary and we just really kind of feel like just packing it all in, is because that provides for us that provides for us great opportunities for spiritual clarity. There in verse chapter, verse 8, Peter saw himself clearly. 
He saw who he was against the backdrop of who Jesus was. Can I ask you, when did all of that take place in Peter's life? Was it when Peter was in church? Was it while Peter was praying? Was it while Peter was sitting and doing his daily Bible reading? Nope. It actually was just in a random moment, a daily life moment, when he was persevering. It was not in the midst of doing some kind of religious exercise. No, it was while he was doing just some hard work where he was hauling in nets and he was rowing and he was lifting and heaving and doing all the work that fishermen had to do. No one could have imagined that in the middle of all of that situation and that circumstance... Peter would have one of those just lightning bolt all-time moments of spiritual clarity, something that would end up changing his life forever. And you might think, well, Josh, it seems like you're kind of using a lot of embellishing flowery language there. It was an all-time moment. It changed his life forever. Oh, I'm not embellishing. I know that it changed his life forever because look at what verse 11 says. Verse 11 says, When they had brought their boats to the land... They left everything. The fish don't even matter anymore. We're not even concerned about that anymore. They left everything and followed Jesus. Let's be honest. When do we usually have those moments of of kind of significant spiritual growth? I do realize that most spiritual growth happens slow and incrementally. I preached that last year. That was the preaching theme last year and I said that repeatedly throughout the year. Growth is not some overnight instantaneous thing. That's not usually the way that happens. Usually it's slow and it's steady. But every now and then, every now and then we do have those moments. We have those moments where bang! It is like a lightning bolt. And it is like a shot in the dark and we just level up. And it's immediate. And the light bulb comes on and we get it and there's just a marvelous breakthrough. When does that happen? You know when that usually happens. It happens when we are in the trenches persevering in our obedience and faithfulness to the Lord. It happens, for example, when we've maybe had a really, really long day at work. It was awful there. Just things just were not good. Just other co-workers made things kind of rough. The boss made things rough. The, The clients made things rough. Coming back from work, just traffic was terrible. Just seems like I hit every single red light on 27. Haven't even had dinner, but you know what? It's almost 7 o'clock, almost time for Wednesday night Bible study. And frankly, I don't even feel like going. I don't feel like participating, but, but I do it anyway. That was our first point, wasn't it? Obedience to the Master. Okay, I'm just going to kind of force myself to do it. And then the Bible study commences. And we're looking in the Word of God. And the subject matter is exactly what I needed to hear. It's relevant. It's piercing the way that Hebrews 4.12 talks about how the Word of God does that. And the comments that other people are making, it's causing me to be engaged. And the thoughts are practical. The discussion that's taking place, it's spirited and it's lively. And before you know it, I'm not even thinking about the fact that I'm tired. I've totally forgotten about the fact that I haven't eaten dinner yet. Because I am so immersed in the Word of God. Stuff is clicking. I'm getting it. I'm making progress. It was exactly what I needed. It was refreshing. It was energizing. And it helped me to see clearly. Or maybe it was just one of those random moments 
where I'm trying to be patient with someone who doesn't understand the concept of customer service. I'm the customer. Serve me. And it's frustrating. And I feel like reaching through the phone and just strangling somebody or just yelling and screaming and getting mad at this person. But I try to be patient. And I hold that in and I'm calm about that. And then I get off the phone and my coworker, who's been watching me the whole time on the phone, they say, you know what? That was really impressive the way that you handled that. There it is. A moment of obedience that helped to bring about some spiritual clarity. And that is what happens whenever we allow ourselves to fall at the feet of Jesus. When we're willing to surrender ourselves to Him the way that Peter was here in Luke chapter 5. It helps us to see ourselves better. And when we see ourselves better, that enables us to make changes and to grow and to find the encouragement to keep on keeping on. When we do what's right, that just fuels our hunger to do more of what is right. And so why do we bother? Well, because that very next moment of perseverance, it may be precisely the moment that we need to push us to have that kind of spiritual breakthrough, the kind that Peter had that fateful afternoon on the Sea of Galilee. And so as I think about Luke chapter 5 and I think about the great things that it teaches us, I do think that it does provide for us the answer to the why bother question. I do think there certainly are other reasons as to why we bother, but you know what? These three reasons right here, I think they are more than enough to sustain us and to motivate us even when the times do get tough. You know, these last three going on four months now, It's been tough. It's been tough on a number of different fronts. And who knows? I'm not a doomsday prognosticator by any means, but it may get worse before it gets better. I don't know. But I do know this. I know that even if I grow weary in well-doing, giving up is not an option. Jesus has done too much. Heaven is too important for me to throw up my hands and say, why do I bother? I'm done. No, we bother because the Master beckons us to come and He gives us everything that we need in order to get there. Would you pray with me, please? Let's go to God in prayer. Our dear gracious God, we come before you tonight confessing that far too often we do allow the cares and the stresses of this life to cause us to become weary in well-doing. Father, sometimes we do feel like giving up, and we're, we're sorry for that. That is why we're so thankful, though, for Luke chapter 5 and for the encouragement that it provides for us to persevere on. Father, help us to be obedient servants. Help us, Father, to trust that Your way always leads to blessing and reward. And help us to use those moments of perseverance to draw us and bring us closer to You. Father, we do ask that you forgive us whenever our light grows dim and whenever we allow Satan to discourage us. Strengthen us, Lord. Shield us as we fight against the foe. Thank you most of all for Jesus, and we thank you for the just abundant strength that we find only in him. And it is in his name that we offer this prayer. And amen.